what to do if you lost your Android device, we got some help finding a good VPN from Matt Lifehacker, Subwoofers, FreeNAS, and oh yeah, there's new gear from Apple. All that and more coming up on Tech Thing. Tech Thing is brought to you by viewers like you. If you get value from the show and would like to keep it coming, please go to patreon.com slash tech thing and consider contributing. I'm Shannon Morse. <laughs> and I'm not nearly as sassy, but still Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. <laughs> At least on the good days. <laughs> Shannon's excited because HBO Now is launching yes! in April. Just in time for Game of Thrones for $14.99 a month. In theory, all the HBO content you've been asking for unbundled from the subscription, which is why it's called HBO Now instead of HBO Go. I kind of like this, but seriously, is it is it just an Apple thing? Because if this is just an Apple thing and you have to okay, have the Apple stop, TV... Stop, launch partner. Uh-huh. Money's marketing yeah. agreements, there was exchange... So, okay, so... Apple TV, iPad, and iPhone is the initial launch partner. Okay. So probably 30, 60, or 90 days. Okay. If you go to order.hbonow.com and you scroll down and you find the FAQ and you go down, where do I get? <laughs> so he, he's smart. He looks at the FAQ. <laughs> What devices Ooh. will HBO Now be compatible with at launch? Desktop, laptop, computers, as well as iOS devices, yes. including iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. HBO Now will roll out two additional devices soon. Yes! Course, so I don't have to buy an Apple TV. But if you do, they drop the price to 65 bucks, which is a response to Chrome Sticks and the Amazon Fire Stick. Roku. Well, yeah. And I would expect <laughs> it will be out on Roku very, very soon. I'm really stoked about this because that means I don't have to go to my friend's house and watch her stream every time I want to watch HBO. Go to her house. Yeah, I'm familiar <laughs> with that. Uh, also in April for 24-15, the Apple Watch. Ooh. All my watch friends are really upset because the $10,000 version doesn't do anything more than like the cheap version. And the cheap version is still $350. <laughs> and everybody I know who already owns a Moto 360, like Darren over in the corner over there, is like, what? Your battery life sucks, Apple. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I I I don't know. It's it's a nice piece of design. Um, it's, I it's pretty. I, I like the round edges. Yeah, but it also feels a lot like Android Wear, yeah. in the sense that it's really looking for something for you to do. Yes, that's very true. You know, for the very first time ever, I actually saw Darren use it to see a text message and talk back to his Moto 360 for the right. first time ever, like a day ago. A day so, ago. like really, how, how much are you gonna use it? That's my question. Well, the thing I like, a couple of friends of mine were really excited. They're like, oh, it's got a microphone and a speaker and I'll be able to answer calls by talking to it. So, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's you're either into the smartwatch or not into the smartwatch. I will say the battery life should get a lot better and the feature True. set should get a lot better the longer you wait, but you've heard me say okay. things like that before. What did you think about the new MacBook? Oh man, look at all of them ports. I mean, maybe the not. Port. <laughs> so that, this is interesting, because um, we do a lot of video editing, we deal mm -hmm. with a lot of large files around here. Um, oh yeah. All I, could, all I could think was like, it's beautiful, the specs sound amazing. Gold, a little over the top for yeah. me, but tempting, just, just because. And then all I could think was, you know, I bought an iPhone 6, yeah. and then I bought like $125 or $150 in cables and stuff to replace <laughs> all the 30-pin cable stuff that no longer works. True. Now there's USB-C, which is an unbelievable port. It'll power it. It's your video connection. It's your drive connection. It's going to require a bunch of adapters at launch if you want to use it with your existing stuff. Yeah. 
I'm, so, I'm not a fan of having to buy new proprietary things for all of my new devices. Not a fan. The keyboard design looks really, really cool. Um, I will say that. Yeah. that basically, instead of doing the stupid uh, split springs, they've got a new sort of fiberglass. Gosh, look how thin that thing is. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's like 25% thinner than a MacBook Air. Wow. Um, you know, the screen, it, it should be gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, 12 inch display, 2304 okay. by 1440 resolution. Um, Force Touch is gonna be interesting, which is essentially their trackpad that doesn't click. Uh, and essentially brings in a super right click where it's kind of force sensitive and the more you press on it, the more, uh, the, more the deeper you go, just to be ridiculous. But that's, that's the one right there that's kind of curious for me. That's the USB-C connector. It's reversible. It's the power supply. It's going to be your video connector. It's going, it, it is the only port on the entire machine is right there. What? I, I, How? I think, I think it's a bold move. It's very bold. And you notice they're not doing People it. People are going to buy it. Yes. People will buy it. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. I, I won't buy it. It's not for me. Well, how often do you, <laughs> how often, okay, so I'm, I use. I actually have like three USB devices and I have my headphones right. plugged in every single day. I use the HDMI every day. So for <gasps> me, it would be very interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. There's no, this. that just made me wonder, is there a headphone jack on it? I don't know. Where's the SD card one? Because I got a flash SD, no SD card, card for my Raspberry Pi. You're getting an SD card adapter. Yeah. Is there going to be a USB-C to 2.0 or 3.0? And then I have to get a USB 3. adapter 0? because it's the USB-C. Yes. <gasps> no thanks. Headphone port. Oh, good. <laughs> I'll stick with my PCs. Okay, so there's two <laughs> holes in the machine. The USB-C connector and a headphone port. No. That's still an optical out, a digital audio right. out, too. All right, all right. In any case, <laughs> cool, shiny, exciting, and just to completely change things up, we got a, uh, an interesting question that popped up around the warehouse here. What do you do when you lose your Android yeah. device? Yeah, so this was on my mind because my friend, she had lost her Samsung Galaxy phone. She Ouch. freaked out, didn't know where, where it was, and she was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to reset all my passwords. I'm going to have to delete things and change everything and turn off my bank account. And I was like, chill out. Like, you don't have to do that. First off, preventative measures before you lose your phone. It's really important to set up a passcode or some kind of lock on your phone because, you know, right. that's going to be pretty important, well, right? Well, if the phone <laughs> is unlocked when they pick it up, it's their phone in yeah. a deep and abiding way. So the newer phones have the kill switches. So if worst case scenario, if someone steals your phone, you can kill it and make not just your life miserable, but their exactly. life miserable. So that's a good so, thing. So luckily, yeah, and a lot of them can let you like type in a little reward if found mm -hmm. text on the lock screen. So if you do have a passcode on there, somebody can still call you and say, sure. hey, I have your phone and return it as a good Sam. But uh, one thing that Androids allow you to do is this thing, Android Device Manager. You should definitely turn that on before you actually lose your device. It's very important. Android Device Manager is a simple app that you can set up on your phone as as well as access online. But the problem is you might need to have a two-factor authentication set up to access the Android Device Manager. And if you have Google Authenticator on your phone, how can you access Android Device Manager if you're using 2FA with Google Auth on the application? See, there's a little bit of a 
confusion there, right? Like yes. what happened? You can see the puzzlement in my you eyes. You can see the puzzlement, <laughs> yeah. So Android Device Manager, this is what it looks like on your PC. Really easy to use. So you can erase your phone, you can lock your device remotely, and you can also ring it. So if it was local and I knew it would, must be somewhere nearby, mm -hmm. I can ring my phone. Even though it's on vibrate, it still rings. Oh, wow. And then the only way I can turn it off is by actually unlocking the phone and letting it stop ringing. So that's, the, so, that's the lost in the house, lost in the office, yeah. lost in the car kind of thing. But if you know that it's somewhere else and you're really worried somebody mm -hmm. might get access, you can lock it remotely or you can erase it. Now, if you have two-factor authentication set up with Google Authenticator on your phone and you need to access it remotely, make sure you have your backup codes. Backup codes are available. You can just Google the website for it, Google, Google, two-step two-step verification, and you can set up a backup phone number, so if you mm -hmm. have your home phone, and you can also print out these 10 unused codes. So those are backup codes in case you don't have the Google Authenticator application available. Right. You can just type in these codes when you log in as well as your password and still gain access to Android Device Manager. There's a theme you should be picking up on right now is that these are things you need to do before you lose before, the phone. Yes. You need to have your backup code somewhere other than your phone. You need to have a backup number or address or contact exactly. that's other than your phone. So um. <laughs> what my friend did, she immediately, she printed out these 10 unused codes. She right. put one in her wallet because you don't know what it is exist to sure. if you just cut it out with some scissors and stick it in your wallet. It just looks like some random numbers. Right. So she just stuck one in her wallet. She has one at home and then has one like in her car in case she loses her phone and sure. she has one of those things nearby. Now if you don't have those unused codes or that backup number, you can also use a security key such as a Yubi key or some kind of physical key that you can put into your computer that will also let you use 2FA whenever you want to log into Android Device Manager. So the key thing is yeah. use Android Device Manager, have those backup codes available if you have lost your phone. Now, second off, moving on, if you have lost your phone, go look for it. If you're in a really busy place, it might have just end up being gone. Somebody might have stolen it. Maybe somebody just happened to see it laying around and they will give it back. There are good Samaritans left in this world, hopefully. Have a friend call it. Luckily, the ringer's on. If somebody answers, mm -hmm. ask them to return it. Offer a reward if you desperately need the hardware back. If not, just lock it and erase it and tell the police that it's gone. Uh, if it's definitely gone, erase it. Android device manager, right. like, pff, it's kaput. Next, for your most used and most important apps, remove the app specific logins from your account. Most of the time you can just go to the settings and choose revoke access for the Samsung phone. So for example, I could go to the Twitter website or Facebook right. and just revoke access for Samsung, the Samsung application. Reset passwords if you need to, such as for your bank account, if there's an app for that on your phone, and then tell your carrier that the phone is stolen. They'll lock the IMEI, which is basically the serial number of your phone, mm -hmm. so that nobody else can use it and they can't sell it. If they try to, it's locked down. Nobody can actually add it on with a new SIM card or anything. It won't work. Notify the police. Let them know that you have the location of your Android device if you used uh, the device manager, and give them the serial number if it's available. Hopefully, they can find it for you, but if they can't, eh, well, at least you have that backup, that information right. in a file, so you can get your insurance money if you have insurance on the phone, too. And lastly, huh, let your <laughs> friends and family and coworkers, let them all know that it's lost or stolen in case they get any kind of weird text messages or phone calls or anything like that. You don't want them getting scammed through your phone or through your text messages. And stay safe. So don't go running after that thief by yourself. I mean, maybe you could do it, but not me. 
Well, I'm it, a little it, small. <laughs> it's okay. So you know, part of the reason we bring this up, uh, you know, we talked we talked about the sort of kill codes yeah. as being a really the kill switches built into phones being a really big deal, reducing crime significantly. And here in the Bay Area, down yes. in L.A., you know, probably New York City, certainly London. Um, but you know, at some point. Yeah, it's an expensive piece of hardware, but there's nothing more frustrating than turning a corner and yep. getting your ass kicked. Yes. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, I have a 17 and a half or 18 inch neck. It's hard to kick my ass, but it can be done and it has been done. So remember, is the hardware worth the potential ass kicking by somebody exactly. who was crazy enough or desperate enough to steal your phone in yeah. the first place? Let the cops handle it. Like, as much as you see all these amazing stories online, right. just let the cops handle it because you don't know when you're going to actually run into danger over a phone. Yes. I mean, it's really not worth it. You can find a cheap one on eBay, seriously. I got to say, the new Moto E, terrible camera. <laughs> Other than that, a fantastic phone for not much money. Did, did your friend find her phone? She did. Luckily, she did. So she couldn't access the Android device manager because we ran into that two-factor authentication right. issue and she didn't have those backup codes available. So we basically just had to backtrack back to the park where mm -hmm. her phone just happened to be sitting on a picnic table. Luckily it wasn't stolen, but as soon as we got back to the office, she printed out those backup codes. A picnic table here in, in Richmond. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yes, I can. It was amazing. So we got really lucky. Or but, really yeah. isolated. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes things happen. That's awesome. You know what I just realized? Outside of the expense of buying all new adapters, yeah. I'm really digging the new MacBook. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> just, I'll let you do that review. <laughs> I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to. It's oh, it's tempting. <laughs> Askatechthing.com is the place to ask us questions. So do us a favor. Send us a question. Send us a comment. Share an idea. We got a couple of your ideas coming up later in the show. Right now, though, we're going to talk to Darren and find out what's going on over at Hack Five. Making LED rainbow waterfalls with Arduinos, FPV quadcopter racings, hacker spaces in Europe, all sorts of awesome stuff. You can find it this week over on the sister show, Hack 5. It's time for a rapid fire round. This week we're going to answer three questions off of Twitter in less than a minute each. Are you ready, Shannon? I'm ready. Go! Let's go. At Mini Nessie tweets, at Patrick Norton, at Verge, do either of you know of a good electronics backpack for cell phone, laptop, and more around $30 to $40? So it's kind of funny, um, as a lot of you may know, I have I tend towards industrial <laughs> sort of grade backpacks. That you do. This thing sells for like $260 new. Uh, Go Ruck, amazing backpack. Uh, turns out you can buy them actually used or at their events, like Ooh. their test models and stuff, cheaper, um, which is how I got this one. But it turns out most computer backpacks, i.e. packs with a computer-specific slot or envelope, start at around $60. I am a big fan of badass overbuilt packs made up in the US, like the GORAC I showed you. And if that sounds ridiculously expensive, check out Tactical Tailors Operator Pack, or the Urban Operators, what they call it. They're about 130 bucks, up from $100, but these are made in the US. Um, the build quality is outstanding, and they're really, really good. It's a bargain for what you get. Uh, cool. It will take forever to destroy. That said, for $30 to $40, check out the Amazon Basics Laptop Backpack. People what? love it. It's $29.99 on Amazon.com. Wow. Yeah, 416 customer reviews, 44 answered questions, four stars, number one seller in laptop and notebook computer backpacks. But if you need a decent backpack for no money, that's about as cheap as you're going to get a decent backpack. That's with impressive. With a computer slot in it. <laughs> Renee, FCB Wong, 0012. Tweets, can FreeNAS or plug-in work to replace Madrobo and give the same features as a Drobo? Ooh, that's a good question. So FreeNAS is amazing open source software. Seriously, Patrick is a huge 
FreeNAS fan. FreeNAS with ZFS is amazing, but... But a Drobo is a lot simpler. If you want to open the box, slide in the drives, power up, and log in and have a server, you want a Drobo. FreeNAS will do most of what a Drobo will do, and it'll probably do it faster, but you got setup, you got configuration, and you got doing things like using different size drives. That is going to take a lot more work. A lot more work. Yeah. Seriously, you're going to be trading a lot of time setting up and installing a FreeNAS compared to a Drobo. And if the thing you love most about a Drobo is upgrading to larger drives, you're going to think FreeNAS is a major pain in the patootie. Um, Good point. FreeNAS, DIY, lots of learning to set it up correctly. Drobo, grip it and rip it. You're gone. You're mm -hmm. done. You're, you're, it's just, they're, they're really opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And Scott Dolgarian tweets, which subwoofer for 500 bucks? Polk 550WI, SVSPB 1000, or Velodyne Impact or other using a BMW in wall? I gotta say, you know, if you owned your house, it'd be really tempting just to get sort of the Bowers and Wilkins uh, in wall subwoofers, the mm -hmm. ISW4, ISW3. Those are really, really cool. They're also really, really expensive uh, compared to a $500 budget. Mm -hmm. My personal favorite uh, for subwoofer brands, and you've listed a bunch of good brands. Veldine's great, they're all really good. My personal favorite is uh, Shoe Research. And they are actually, so these guys are done in Southern California. They do amazing stuff. And right now they're running a sale on their VTF1 Mark II subwoofer for $419. Nice. Uh, it regularly costs like 460 bucks. Um, it's these are amazing subwoofers, um, and if you have all of pretty. the money, um, the they 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 will give you all. Oh of the my base. gosh! Yeah, look they, at those prices. That's a pretty well, yeah, but that's like a pretty genuine fifteen hertz subwoofer. This will Whoa. shake your fillings out of your teeth and your neighbors <laughs> and your neighbors' neighbors. I have neighbors. I probably shouldn't get that. No, but if you don't have neighbors. <laughs> You know, you can get down. There's, there's much more affordable subwoofers Ooh. in their lineup. They make really good stuff. Fancy. Do you guys have a question for us? It can be anything. You can tweet at TechThing, post on Facebook.com slash TechThing, or you can email us, ask at TechThing.com, and we'll do our best to answer it for you. You guys, our patrons and everyone, because this episode is brought to you by viewers just like you. If you're enjoying the show, please consider donating over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash techthing. You can donate whatever you want. It can be a nickel, a dime, five bucks. All those contributions go directly back into the show production and keeping us fed. And remember, if you guys can't donate, that's okay. No worries. I totally understand. We would love it if you could share the show with your friends, if you subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash c slash techthing, and if you send us your questions on your favorite social network. Thank you so much for supporting TechThing over at Patreon. Time to get our VPN on at Omar Razul tweets at TechThing, what are some of the best free VPNs? So we invited our favorite VPN obsessed life hacker editor, Alan Henry on to get all secret paths on the internet with us. Alan, welcome to TechThing, man. Thanks for having me. I feel like you're like right in the room and I, <laughs> I feel like at any moment Skype will hiccup and we'll have a full fail. <laughs> oh no. I'm also laughing because like you're in 1080p, you're really close up, and I can now read the titles. I didn't realize those were all cookbooks behind you. Uh, just on the top there, yeah. Got some fiction books down here and some literature over there and records back there. <laughs> so we should probably start out. Is I like the records. Is that a Massive Attack record in the front? It is. It's Blue Lines, which I would tell any Massive Attack fan it's one record they should own on vinyl and a Pikachu over your right shoulder. I'm gonna stop looking at the background because we're supposed to be talking about VTN. Virtual private networks. 
what do you think people are using VPNs mostly for these days? Like, uh, there's probably two big things. I think there's half of the people who use VPNs are really using them for privacy and security. They're looking for ways to encrypt their data from anybody who may be kind of snooping on their networks, or they're using Wi-Fi at a coffee shop at an airport or an airport, and they want to make sure that uh, no one's capturing their data. You know, Cause, I mean, honestly, it's not hard. Anybody sitting on, on Wi-Fi at an airport can start sniffing packets, and if you're not encrypted, all your data can get sucked right out of the air by whoever wants to have it. Uh, then, there are the, uh, then there are the other people who are probably using uh, VPN to get around location blocks. They want to watch uh, the BBC, and maybe they're uh, so maybe they live in the UK, but they're visiting a friend or family in the US, and they want to catch their old shows. Or, or they live in America, and they can't get curling without tunneling into Canada over a VPN. For example, curl, <laughs> curling, which is awesome. I love curling. I, 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 I took your suggestions with great, great abandon. I love curling. I love watching curling. It's, uh, yeah, and then you realize that people do it like bowling in large parts of the cold part of the world. So it's drinking and throwing 30-pound rocks on ice. It's, yeah. uh, it's special. So are there any good free VPNs left? There are a few. Uh, it, it is tricky to find a good free VPN uh, because, I mean, obviously with anything, if you're not paying for it, mm -hmm. either they're getting their money's worth out of you somehow. You know, people like to say, well, if you're not paying for it, you're the product. But in some cases, you know, you may not be the product, but right. something you do may be the thing that's valuable. Um, I'm a big fan of, of uh, Hotspot Shield, mm -hmm. for one. They have a free plan. It is ad-supported. But uh, they give you a certain uh, a kind of amount of access per month uh, without having to pay for anything. And then if you need to or if you're willing to upgrade, you can. Uh, CyberGhost does mm -hmm. the same thing. Um, they also are freemium. They have a free plan that they kind of use to introduce you to the premium product. And then uh, there's TunnelBear, which you guys mm -hmm. talked about on a previous episode. Uh, TunnelBear, they give you a certain amount of, of bandwidth for right. free. And then if you tweet about them, they'll give you some more. But those guys are great, and uh, and they work really hard to make sure that they keep kind of your privacy. They respect your privacy while still giving you a free product. So one of the questions we had recently is like, I thanks to the NSA, I don't trust any commercial product. I have to get away from it all. You know, is there? It doesn't seem to be. There's no real easy open source DIY VPN. I mean, nothing. Nothing that's really like I install this and then I run it and I'm good. No, right. nothing like that. Uh, now, if you're on the level where you're willing to like install your own firmware on your router, like Tomato or DDWRT sure. or OpenWRT, uh, installing OpenVPN isn't that much more difficult because, one, you'll have a router that supports it right, right. out of the gate. You're, but uh, installing something like OpenVPN, it takes some time. It's a, it's a weekend project. Someone who's really tech savvy could probably get it done in a few hours or an hour maybe. But someone who's not, that's, mm -hmm. that's a really tricky project to take on. And then, of course, you have to take on the responsibility of updating everything yourself and make sure that you're keeping on top of the security updates because there's nothing more embarrassing than realizing that you forgot to update something and your entire system has been opened up as a result. Absolutely. I get paranoid at times. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. So, what's gonna, anything you can tell us about what's coming up on Lifehacker this week or is it all secret? Oh, yeah. No, no, I can talk about it. So, uh, I think today we're talking about 
some uh, we're talking about some some things you should know before you move from a small town to a big city because we've done the opposite before. Uh, <laughs> our, our new uh, food blog Skillet is talking about some awesome uses for uh, Caesar salad dressing, and we're doing some food hacks over there. We have a whole blog dedicated to food hacks and stuff like that. I did not know uh, that. Yeah, they, and um, we're also relaunching After Hours, our blog about you know life hacks that you may want to browse in incognito mode. So, <laughs> the the so, not safe for work life hacks is that exactly. is that safe to say? Is that exactly? I think got, you you captured it very well. It's very it's, so lifehacker.com, and where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, I'm at lifehacker.com every day. You can find a post by me there anytime. Uh, or you can just follow me on Twitter. I'm Halo Phoenix. I talk to pretty much anybody who talks to me. <laughs> it's true. He's nice that way. Thanks so much for joining us, Alan. No problem. Thanks. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Henry, lifehacker.com. Dude, go follow him on Twitter. He's a nice guy. We got a great tip from Christopher. He writes, love the show. In your latest issue, you had a user ask about playing the same audio to two different Chromecasts for one PC. This can easily be done using a piece of software called the Air Parrot 2. Also, you can stream the same video feed to multiple Chromecasts with this software or something different to each one. Huh. I am currently testing this as a cheap solution for digital signage and have displayed two five TVs simultaneously. Hope this helps from Christopher. This is why I love the fact that you guys are helping us with the show because we have four eyeballs between the two of us and y'all have tens of thousands <laughs> of eyeballs times two because there's a lot of you out there and you're all looking on the internet. Uh, airsquirrels.com slash airparrot is the website uh, and you get a, huh. a license for a single machine for 15 bucks. Interesting. It's pretty cool actually. It's a really slick piece of software. Yeah, this looks pretty cool. So you just buy the one license for your PC. Yes. You don't have to buy them for all your Chromecasts or anything like that. No, my understanding is you, one, you, if, you're, if you want more than one PC or Mac or yeah, whatever, you then need you more have to licenses. buy additional licenses. Yeah. But it's just one payment that you have to make. You don't have to do like a monthly no. service plan. That's cool. I just want to know who's buying 5,000 of these at a pop. Oh. <laughs> Well, once they're $5 each, you might be saving some cash right there. I, I, that's, that's a lot, a lot of computer of streaming. At BOGO Interactive <laughs> tweets, would you still build your own machine or buy pre-built? I ask this as Modell is crapping out. Well. You have a really good answer to this. I do, yes. But I want to point something out. If your machine is starting to die, just do a, you know, back up your data and put a fresh operating system install with all fresh drivers. It's amazing how many dying PCs are the result of bit rot in oh, your operating system. Just saying. That's so true. <laughs> so we did um, yeah. do this as a segment in episode three of Tech Things. So the short answer is uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can build it or you can buy it. Build it. Yeah, we're good either way. Because, you know, we buy computers, we build computers. It's, it's just... It's you, true. If you want exactly what you want, you build a computer. Yes, I am building my PC for serious this time, so I do want your recommendations, though. Uh, if you go, and I'll put this in the show notes, over to PCPartPicker.com. I've started my build over here so you can see exactly what I'm trying to create here. I'm going to buy all the different parts of this and then build it out here on the show so you can see it from start to finish. Yay, I'm so excited. So my budget for this is going to be 1500 
before tax, so because California taxes are crazy, and then I'll need a <laughs> solid state drive for the OS and a hardy hard disk drive for the storage of all my pictures, videos, and everything okay. like that. Uh, sticking with Windows 7 for the time being, I'll probably just upgrade later. This will be for gaming specifically, so definitely a mid-range video card. I don't need the brand new video cards on the market, not you, the ones that are 700 bucks. <laughs> you, no, but you're not running, I mean, you're not running 4K video. If you have a no, 1080p monitor, you don't need a $600 video card. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I do want to have, it doesn't have to be the newest thing on the market, but I would like it to have HDMI and VGA. That would be good. Uh, so that I can upgrade my monitor in the future, so it'll be kind of future You still have a VGA monitor. I do though, still yeah. have a VGA monitor. My Does husband it, has an HDMI one. Do, do you hit the power button and it goes boom? No. Because it's a big old CRT? <laughs> No. <laughs> so um, I also want to know, should I do dual video cards? No. I've never done that before. No. no? Okay. 16 gigs of RAM at least, because yes. I like 16 gigs of RAM. Intel i7 CPU. I might go i5 uh, if, if the price is comparable. I was looking at the 4690K 3.5 gigahertz quad core, which seems to be pretty awesome. It's only 222 on outlet PC. So I don't know. That might be a good one. It needs to be quiet. Uh, this is going to be for podcasting as well, so that's very important. I have just the air cooler for you. Oh, good. Okay. I'm, I will listen to your recommendations. <laughs> awesome. I want this gaming machine to last for three to four years, so mm -hmm. somewhat future-proof in that sense. I already have a keyboard, mouse, monitor, and speaker, so I don't need any of that stuff. I will need a new mid-sized tower, something that definitely fits the video card as well as the drive base, because I do plan to have at least two drives. My current one will be recommissioned as something else, my current something tower else. with lots of stickers on it. So I want to hear your recommendations. <laughs> Check out what I have currently on here. And if you have something that you might think is better, let me know. Email me, ask at techthing.com. Or post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash techthing. Yes. We want to hear from you, especially about Shannon's PC build. I'm so excited. Epic. It's been like four years. My computer is totally dying. It See, just has a hard disk drive, and it's very like sad. couple, three years, then when you upgrade to a high-resolution monitor, then you drop in that second GPU. But we'll talk about this on another okay, show. Yeah. I'm Patty Norton. <laughs> I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on TechThing. Oh, I'll bring the energy in the A block. Huff at me. Come on, huff at me. <laughs> I work with dinosaurs. Rolling, 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 rolling. What? Time for a rapid fire round. This week we're going to answer three questions off of Twitter and less. That's my work. You're like a daisy chain. Booger flicker. <laughs> I got poof, you're a booger flicker. <laughs> but you fling poo too. I suppose since I'm, we may as well record it. Alan's here. I've finally got my crap plugged in properly. Oh my god. No analog thing this week? Oh, well, we I just. Have to. We'll see if anybody notices. Okay. <laughs> If nobody notices, then... <laughs>